What is good, <clears throat> everybody, man? Sorry, my voice uh, definitely out here cracking. But, man, uh, it's, it's been a long few days. Uh, I got a late start up to Montgomery. And, listen, I, I, I know everyone's heard about the team being late, some of the travel issues that other people had. Let me tell you guys, the city of Montgomery was not ready for what hit um, this past weekend. There were so many people in Montgomery this weekend. First, I want to say shout out to just the environment for both teams. Man, listen, both Alabama State and Jackson State fans absolutely showed out. That was by far, hands down, the best environment that I think I've been in all season long. And that rivaled some of the better environments that I've been to just in my life. I mean, that that includes P5 games and even some SEC games that I've been to, that, that was a hell of an environment, man. So shout out to all the Alabama State fans, all the Jackson State fans who showed up. They were loud, and, man, the announcers were getting everyone into the game. Both teams played really well. But, you know, we'll get into all the <laughs> post-game just shenanigans that that went on. I, I, listen, I've, I've had a chance to sit back. I had some things off the show that I had to handle yesterday that didn't allow me to go live like I wanted. So, man, we're live tonight. I got a chance to listen to uh, everyone's thoughts on the matter. And I, I <laughs> the, that's all I can say, man. I just got to laugh because some of the things I have been hearing and some of the takes I've heard are are pretty funny, man. But listen, to, to get us started off, Hit, hit the like button, like the stream. If you're not subscribed, hit that subscribe button, man. We're on the hashtag road to 5K. I think we're just under 100 people away from, from hitting 5,000 subscribers. And I think we're only about 50,000 views away from hitting a million views in the history of this channel, man. So shout out to y'all for that. If you're uh, the updated FCS game day schedule this weekend, I should be in Baton Rouge this weekend for Southern versus Alcorn State in a huge SWAC West matchup. Then the week after that, I'll be going up to Chattanooga, Tennessee for Chattanooga versus Mercer, a potential top 15 matchup, depending on how the rankings shape up over these next two weeks. So I will not be in Jackson for Jackson State versus Campbell. I'll be keeping up with it on my phone. And I'm definitely going to be in Chattanooga. And then the 29th is up in the air. I'm either going to be at A&T for A&T Campbell, or I might, I'm really considering possibly going up to Massachusetts for Holy Cross versus Fordham. I really want to go see Tim DeMoret versus a top 10 team in Holy Cross. So uh, we'll see. And then the fifth still up in the air, but Alcorn Jackson State will be the FCS game day destination for um was it November 19th, the last week of the FCS season? We will be back in Lorman for Alcorn State versus Jackson State. But right now, that, that's that's what the FCS game day schedule is looking like. But listen, week six FCS recap, we got players of the week, FCS top 25, a brief recap over the week. And then this show is really just for you guys to call in, get y'all's thoughts off y'all's chest about all the craziness. I know we had the Southern PV brawl. Um, we have a debate over who is swack and who is not. We have a big shakeup in the top 25 after some CAA madness this weekend and some big upsets. But Jerome, it's coming. If you're a level two member, you're going to get first access to the exclusive merch. So everyone who joined the level two of the membership tier, I think it's like $4.99 a month, definitely going to uh De- definitely going to get y'all some merch and then release to the general public. So I got some things brewing. I'm getting some design, some designers together. Listen, I might be creative in terms of graphics on YouTube and thumbnails. Uh, 
I, I don't know what uh, I'm not very good at T-shirt design. So I got someone helping me with that for sure. No. So listen, um, I was supposed to be at the press conference today. I wasn't able to be there. I had some uh, personal things off the show that came up this morning. I wasn't able to be at the press conference. That's why that's why y'all didn't hear any questions uh, for me this week. I had some things off the show that I had to handle. We'll be back next week, and I got plenty of questions. I was pissed, DW, that I had some things come up and I couldn't be there because I had questions written out, and I had like 15 questions that I, I needed answered. But I thought, I thought the press conference went a lot smoother than I was expecting. I think everyone kept it on um, – kept it on football and and they really asked some good questions. I, I like that. They didn't really get into the weeds of all the drama that happened off the field, but man, let's get this thing rolling so we can get to y'all's calls at the, um, later in the show, the call in number is 701-779-9585. First off offensive players of the week for the FCS man. Number one, Lindsey Scott jr. I mean, I think this is his third player of the week for this channel and listen, his week six stats include the first and second quarter. Lindsey Scott did not play in the second half against Lamar this weekend. And in a single half of football, Lindsey Scott threw for 401 yards, seven passing touchdowns, and eight and, and an 88.5 completion percentage this weekend and two quarters of football. Lindsey Scott by far was the player of the week, and it wasn't even close. And in just one half of football, Honestly, if I had to vote right now for the Walter Payton, it would be extremely hard not to give it to Lindsey Scott due to his strength of schedule thus far on, on his resume, man. But Lindsey Scott went berserk this weekend, man. Seven touchdowns and 400 yards in one half. I don't care if they were playing Virginia Lynchburg or whoever Southern played week one or Florida Memorial. That's impressive. And the fact that they were playing an FCS team in Lamar, a conference opponent, that's impressive that he was able to put up the stats he did. Uh, and then the next two guys, Cade Brister from Lindenwood. If you're not familiar with the school Lindenwood, they are um, right now that this is their, I believe this is their first year at the FCS level. Came up from D2 last year. They're in the OVC. But man, Cade Brister, 413 passing yards, five rushing touchdowns, and two passing touchdowns this weekend. And Listen, when you got seven touchdowns and 400 yards, you got to be a player of the week. The reason I gave it to Scott over him is Lindsey Scott did it in two quarters. And then finally, I always like to give one non-quarterback an award, Jeremiah Dobbins for Abilene Christian, running back, 166 yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns, and almost five and a half yards per carry in a big game with Abilene Christian. And I don't think they're getting enough respect. If you haven't seen, the WAC Ace Sun is sharing an auto bid but they're doing some sort of weird power ranking to see which conference person takes it. I still think Abilene Christian right now is the best team in the ASUN slash the WAC. Them and Austin P, I think, are going to be the two um, two best teams right now. But um, I, I think Jeremiah Dobbins earned this one. The the defensive players of the week. This one was tough. There were some outrageous performances. Luke Glenna, though, from St. Thomas. Now, if you don't know who St. Thomas is, St. Thomas is the team that jumped two divisions. So St. Thomas a few years back was playing D3 football and and skipped the D2 level and jumped straight from D3 to FCS because they were so dominant at the D3 level that the NCAA said a jump to D2 still wouldn't be fair. They get St. Thomas jumps from D3 to FCS and this weekend Luke Glenna was a key piece in St. Thomas beating Davidson two-time Pioneer League champs back-to-back -back these past two years. St. Thomas put on a show 
and, and, and won that game. But St. Thomas is not eligible to win the conference or go to the playoffs up until 2026. 22 total tackles, a tackle for loss, and he made some key stops in the fourth quarter, which gave him my player of the week. So, man, shout out to Luke Glenna and St. Thomas. Braden Gilby, Furman linebacker, 12 total tackles, three for loss and a sack in, in a big game for the, for the Palatins. And then Colton Adams is my, my third pick. Um, Alabama State linebacker, Jackson State pulls out the victory, man, but Colton Adams, 18 total tackles, a tackle for loss, two pass breakups, and was all – over the field for Alabama State this weekend. Listen, Alabama State's defense played a hell of a game, and Colton Adams was everywhere. I think even some of the JSU fans I talked to after the game said, man, number one could play on on any team in in the SWAC and and possibly even the FCS. Colton Adams, when healthy, is an absolute animal, and he popped off film this weekend. I was on the sidelines, and it seemed like every single – Every single opportunity he had, he made a play. Man, you shot. You cannot let one play define anything. That's that happens. Everyone gets got at some point. Everybody, everybody has that moment, Sean. So I'm taking the totality of the game, man. And, and Colton Adams deserves a shout out. The wild card, man. Uh, def- definitely would love to do that. Hit me up on social media, any social media, and I'll, I'll definitely get with you guys and love to do a show. Um, let's see. He said UIW put up 55 against Nevada. That is true. Uh, if any FCS player should be a candidate, it's him. That's not a, that's a fact. Uh, no, but man, listen, Colton Adams still played well. Uh, so uh, that, that's where I'm going to leave it right now. But man, let's get into, let's get into some FCS recaps real quick, man. That way we can get to what I know everyone's tuned in to really talk about. Um, Elon Townsend, um, was a game that I thought Elon should have won by. A little bit more. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I didn't think Towson should re- should have been in this game. I didn't think Elon's offense had a great game. Elon didn't look as efficient on offense as they did in their big win over William and Mary or Richmond. I, their defense played well. They held Towson to, I believe, under 230 yards of total offense. But man, the they just they just never seemed to find their rhythm, and I felt like they played a little bit down toward their competition this week. Uh, But, man, they still got two big wins on the resume. And as long as they keep rolling, it looks like they're going to be in the driver's seat right now for the CAA, especially with William & Mary's upset over Delaware. But Elon, 27-10 over Townsend. Now, South Dakota State, let me just say this. I think when you're having a conversation about the best defenses in the FCS, you you have to – South Dakota State – Weber State, Montana, and Jackson State, and possibly even Mercer are the are the five teams that you really have to bring up in terms of game-changing defenses. And I think those five teams are probably got the best five defenses from top to bottom in the uh in the country. Uh, South South Dakota State held South Dakota to six total first downs and 136 yards of total offense with less than three yards per play, per play. Um, South Dakota almost doubled their total offense and punt yards this weekend against South Dakota State. And when you look at what's making this, um, what's making the South Dakota State team, I would say, click right now, it's the emergence of the run game. I I think Isaiah Davis finally getting back to form 108 yards rushing three touchdowns this weekend averaged over seven yards per carry. 
that is the difference. And I think Isaiah Davis was 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 having some issues early with health. Tucker Kraft, Isaiah Davis, Mark Gronikowski miss um missing a lot of time early in last season, trying to build up that chemistry, get back into the flow of things. I think right now, South Dakota State, listen, if you don't know, South Dakota State and North Dakota State is a one versus two matchup this weekend in the Fargo Dome. I think right now, on paper, I'm not making my prediction yet, on paper right now, I think South Dakota State should probably be the favorite right now in that game. South Dakota State has looked like a more complete team. When North Dakota State not looking amazing this week, I, I think the Jackrabbits might have the advantage. I was talking to Dave, who who's in the chat right now. Um, it, it's going to be a nasty game, and I, I'm going to be really, really excited to see what that looks like. Now, Southern Illinois, I picked this one. I just think Missouri State has fallen completely off. Everyone knows how big momentum plays in college football. They are on an absolute slide right now. I believe it's a four-game losing streak. All of their FCS losses are by double digits right now. Now they have played some steep competition. I, I, pers- I personally think Missouri State is in some trouble right now. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Missouri State has a shot at the playoffs. I think this past weekend, losing the way they did to Southern Illinois, took Missouri State out of the playoffs. And Bobby Petrino and Missouri State, who was a top ten preseason team, a lot of people looked at them as a team who could take that next step, including me, especially with Jason Shelley. The, the offensive line of the defense did not improve like everyone thought it would. And right now, I don't think Missouri State has a shot at the playoffs. And I'm releasing my first bracketology um, coming on Wednesday on the show. I don't, I don't th- Missouri State, in my opinion, is not going to be in the playoffs. And, and my bracketology is going to reflect that. But Southern Illinois has really bounced back after two early losses. They played a hell of a game. And I really like Nick Baker. He's playing great football, 253 yards, two touchdowns. And the defense picked apart Jason Shelley. He, he threw for less than 200 yards, two picks. They have, a, they have a solid run game. Southern Illinois was the better team. I thought they were coming in. They get a big win over Missouri State. Um, I don't know about that, Sean. I'll let, I'll let my bracketology release by itself. I don't think FAMU right now is in the playoff hunt. Just in my I, I don't even have them in my first five teams out. Um. Mercer's in the SoCon, uh, Aaron. So I, I do I do agree with you. I think Mercer wins the SoCon. And let's get into this game, man. Mercer is the hottest, is one of the hottest teams in the country right now. I can't wait to see uh I, I cannot wait to go see them in two weeks play up in Chattanooga. Mercer's defense this year is the X factor, though. I knew the offense was going to be good. They put up 520 yards of total offense this weekend against Western Carolina. Western Carolina had one of the best offenses coming in. Carlos Davis was one of the top 10 passers in the country, and Mercer absolutely picked them apart. Under 250 total yards allowed for um, Western Carolina this weekend, and Western Carolina's quarterbacks combined for four interceptions this weekend. Mercer's secondary was unstoppable. Fred Payton, 247, three touchdowns, completed 16 of his 22 attempts, and this Mercer team is complete. They have about three, four rushing threats. They got an accurate quarterback who, right now, guys, Fred Payton is the only is has the longest streak of passes without an interception. He has yet to throw an interception this year, and that he, his streak even extends into last year. Devron Harper, Todd James are are one of the best wide receiver duos in the country, and the defense just has a bunch of playmakers. Man, Isaac Dowling, 
two interceptions this weekend, eight total tackles. They get TJ Moore. They, they just have so much talent at all levels of the defense. I do think Mercer right now could be a seed in the playoffs, and I never thought that would ever be the case, man. Mercer came into the year. I don't even know if they had a history of really being ranked in the FCS. Mercer right now could be a top eight seed with the way – that the CAA is playing out where they're just going to end up cannibalizing itself. And depending on how things fall, do not, do not be surprised if Mercer slides into that eight or seven spot, especially if Holy Cross drops one to Fordham or gets upset somewhere along the way, Mercer could find themselves with the first round bye, which is something that not many people would ever expect to happen coming into the season, coming off of what happened last year, where they were the first team out behind FAMU uh, going to, some of our week six HBCU um, recap. Oh, man. So I guess we're going to have to talk about it, right? <laughs> I guess we're going to have to talk about it. Let me get to this caller, and then then we'll get into this. Let me turn this up real quick. 7681, you're live. Seven six eight one, you're live. Man, all right. So you can call back in if you want. Uh, let's see. But <laughs> he said, "Please no. Uh, stick stick to the game only." <laughs> I gotta give my like minor thoughts. Okay, and and y'all are gonna probably be a little bit surprised. So I was there, and I, I was there when I, I didn't record it because I didn't really think it was that big of a deal or anything like that. Um. I, I feel like what's been lost in all this really and truly before we get to the game is just some like rational discourse on this. Like, can we just sum everything that happened up with like one phrase that it's, it's just football at the end of the day, that there's emotions involved. Tensions are high. Testosterone is high and man, it's football. And some people were pissed about losing the game and I, that that's just how it is. And like people are emotional event. I don't, I don't judge someone based on what happens in the heat of battle. Like it's all good. I don't think anyone's feelings should have been hurt. And it's just, man, it's just football at the end of the day, anyone in the chat who, who has played football at any level, at any level, if you have not been cut cursed at, if you haven't been pushed, if you haven't had a heat of moment with someone the man, you really and truly didn't play football. You, or I want to know where you played. Even at Little League, that happens. And it just, it blew my, it blew my absolute mind that so many people were just appalled. Like, can you believe someone said, someone like was cussing at this person or getting heated and all this? It's like, dude, have you not been out in the world? Have you not been to a real football game before? Are we really going to sit here and... Are we really going to sit here and just act like we're appalled that some that 18, 19 year old kids who are hyped up on testosterone in a football game said some said some cuss words like we're going to be upset about that? It just come on, man. People are way, way too sensitive about stuff nowadays, but I don't care who it is. I don't care. I don't care if it was prom, Eddie Robinson, a fat like. Bro, it is football at the end of the day. What happens between the white lines? Like, let it happen. Who cares what was said? 
Like, I, yeah, I get it. Don't cuss at the coach. But anything that happens in between the white lines, I said, in terms of trash talking or taunting, man, who cares? I, I have seen worse at, at like when I was when I was at, in little league, man. Like I would trash talk, but as an offensive lineman, I guess you know people don't people don't understand like the trash talk that goes on in the trenches. Like you got to be able to trash talk if you're O line, D line. But man, come on. It doesn't matter, and who cares if if the dude didn't want to didn't want to give him a hug and prime shoved him? It is football. No one like it happens all the time. It happened like two. It happened like two weeks ago with Maynard and and, and uh who was it Willie Simmons, who got into it, and no one cared. It was like a little blimp on everything, but because of who it was. <sighs> It's just wild, man. It, it it blows my mind. Like I did not think for two days from when it was happening, there would still be social media talk about a handshake. Like who cares at the end of the day, man? It's football. Like I don't have to like you. Like it's cool. I don't have to like you, and you don't have to like me. We just keep it moving. And so I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it it should have got the media attention it did. And I, I think I do agree here. It, it probably would have blown a little bit over with the press conference. But I do want to say, if you go back and watch the show from the very beginning when I started over four years ago, um, I've always I, I've not been a fan of, of post-game press conferences right after the game. Um, emotions are still high. And yes, the opposing coaches on both sides are either you're going to be really high on like, okay, we won that game and you might say something out of pocket or you're going to be really upset and say something that you probably don't mean. And in the heat of the moment, it comes out, it comes out wrong. I really think coaches should have a cool down period after games to get their thoughts together and everything. And the worst possible thing that happened was. All that blows up on the field. They go straight into the locker room and they do the post-game press conference without giving Coach Coach Robinson or Coach Prime or anyone a cool-down period. It coaches say coaches, players, people say things crazy when they're hyped up like that and, and they don't have a cool-down period. I think that was the that was the biggest thing is that at the at the um at the MEAC SWAC challenge, it said on the little itinerary, like we're gonna give coaches. I think it was like 20 minutes. So the winning coach had a five minute cooldown period. And also in the, the losing coach has a 15, 20 minute cooldown period. And that's part of like FBS football too. So I, I thought I was really surprised that the swag didn't really have cooldown periods. Cause I mean, they went straight from the field to the press conference and I'm like, what happened to the cooldown period, especially losing a competitive game like that after what happened after there's always, um, there's always cooldown periods at, at every other level of football. So I was really surprised that they didn't have a longer cooldown period due to what happened. But listen, at the end of the day, it's football. Everyone's got to stop getting upset. Like, no, like everyone in the chat played football at some time, said something out of pocket to someone, and, and it got heated. Or you've been in a fight in a, in a game, or you know, you yelled at someone you shouldn't have, or the fans got into it. Listen, it's football at the end of the day, and it's all good. I, I just think people got too worked up over nothing. But man, let's get into the game real quick. Um, one, if you, if you're just tuning in, I was at this game, got to work the sidelines, man. Shout out to all the Alabama state people that, um, that, uh, real, that, that hooked me up this weekend. And 
I, I, I want to thank everyone that had a part in that. So if you're looking for highlights, it's on the channel and the photo gallery will be dropping tomorrow on the website, the And I'll be posting it on social media. So get ready for some, I got some really, really good pictures that I, that I can't wait to, uh, that, that I can't wait to drop. But this game was, a, I think a lot more competitive than, um, a lot of people thought, including myself, I thought Jackson State was going to come in there and just stomp them. And th- that didn't happen. I thought the Alabama State defense did a good job of pressuring Shador. This was the this was the first game that I think Jackson State's offensive line got picked apart. And and what I mean by that is I, I felt like they 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 didn't pick up the blitz very well. They didn't pl- uh, pick up any stunts. That they, they really just seemed completely out of sync this weekend. I think. The offensive line is better than last year, but this year I think Alabama State did a great job of putting a lot of pressure on them to make decisions. They did a great job of kind of using a, a chaos front. They were bringing people down. They were they were bringing different blitzes. The creativity of Eddie Robinson Jr. and the defensive staff was really shown this week in terms of how to get to Shador. And then, you know, I know some people talked about um, Jackson State getting there late and the offense kind of being off – off their rhythm or, or everything, but I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Shador looked a little bit hurt before the game. I'm not making an excuse for Shador. I'm not breaking news that he has an injury, but when he was throwing before the game, there were a few times where he he went to throw a deep ball in warmups, and he kind of was like shaking out his shoulder, and they had a trainer over there kind of pushing on his shoulder and working out underneath the pads on his shoulder, and so I'm really wondering, and then in the – um. In the press conference today, Prom said he went to a doctor to get it looked at. He really did look um, beat up in terms of even even before the game, and he took some shots um, on that. I believe it was the Kevin Coleman touchdown that he threw down on the far end. He got lit up on that play, man. They 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 put him into the dirt a few times, and then at the end of the game, when he was scrambling to kind of to put the game away, he got he got lit up a few times, and this was the first time I think Shador really got touched in a game that I, that I've seen in his Jackson State career outside of that South Carolina State game. Um, but for Jackson State's offense, I still think they they did a good enough job, man, to put the points on the board when they were needed. And even though it was ugly, when they needed a drive, so Bama State goes down, gets the game to a one score game. They walked right down the field to put the game away. I believe on the JD Martin touchdown, and so. You got to give Jackson State this. When they needed a play made, Shador and the offense went and made a play. And on that drive, I think Shador had two big scrambles. He throws the touchdown pass, 332 for three touchdowns this weekend. Um, and I, I won the, the question I have is which quarterback for Alabama State were you guys most impressed with? Did you think Miles, do you think Miles Crawley was the better quarterback this weekend? Or do you guys think if Demetrius Davis was the guy, if he doesn't end up getting hurt? In case you guys missed it, on uh, one of the sacks, uh, it looked like his ankle got rolled up on by one of his teammates, and so that's why that's that's why Davis went out of the game. It looked like his ankle got rolled up on, and I, I don't think he had the mobility um, to to really move forward. I thought Savion Wilkerson did a solid job. He had 19 attempts. I saw people saying that um, that Jackson State should have ran the ball more. I don't know if people know this. I mean, they had 30 rushing attempts this weekend. I don't know how much more I, I, I don't know how much how much more you wanted them to run. I mean, Savion Wilkerson had almost 20 carries. So I, I don't I don't think it was a matter of that. I just think the offensive line really and truly 
put Jackson State in some bad positions at times, and and that's what kept Alabama State in the game. I've talked about it over and over. When Jackson State gets to the red zone, you have to put touchdowns on the board because kicking field goals keeps teams in the game. It happened against Tennessee State, and it happened this weekend. If Jackson State puts touchdowns on the board in Alabama State territory, this game's a blowout. But, man, they're, they're having a lot of trouble right now putting – putting the ball in the end zone in the red zone, especially against teams that have pretty solid defenses. And so that's the biggest question mark is, man, what's the next step for Jackson State's red zone offense? Because if they put touchdowns up, they don't – I don't think they have a close game on the the schedule right now. But – you you have to you you have to be more efficient in the red zone, in my opinion. That's the one thing. I thought the Alabama State rushing attack, man, I, I needed more. Uh Ja'Cory Merritt, Santo Dunn, all those guys, they they need to they needed to do more this weekend. You've got to give the front seven of Jackson State a lot of credit. They they held Alabama State to, I think, 39 rushing yards. That touchdown on the QB sneak, and I and it was what 1.7 yards per carry. That that's that's going to get you beat every time. I, I said in this game you had to let Merritt Dunn and the, that running back core get loose against Jackson State, and Jackson State absolutely played play lights out on defense, and you got to give them their credit. Now, I hate to say that I was wrong. I really thought Dallas Daniels was going to, after his big performance a few weeks ago, I thought Dallas Daniels established himself as the number one option in terms of uh, – wide receivers for Jackson State Willie Gaines has been uh, he in my opinion I think Willie Gaines has established himself as a better deep threat and I think with Willie Gaines and Dallas Daniels I think right now those are your two best receiving options for Jackson State and I didn't see Willie Gaines making the impact that that he has this season I thought it was going to be Dallas Daniels and he was going to get a majority of the targets, but man, Willie Gaines has really established himself over these past few weeks. And he had a big touchdown. Um, he had a big touchdown this weekend, had that game winning touchdown against Tennessee State of the game ceiling touchdown. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what this team looks like. But let me, let me get to this call real quick. Uh, seven, six, eight, one, you're live. Hey, Blue, how you doing? What's good, man? So I got a three-part for you. One with Southeast Louisiana dropping to A&M Commerce. What does that do to the bids in the Southland with UIW also being out there? Um, You know, in my bracketology, I have UIW winning the conference now. I think Southeastern will drop another game. They still have the tiebreaker, but if they struggle with Texas A&M Commerce, I – I don't have confidence that they are going to be 100% winning out while I don't see Incarnate Word being tested anywhere else down the stretch. Okay. Second part, just because some of us are going at it in the chat a little, it looks like JSU and UIW both tied for eight in the stats poll. Who do you think – there's no way they're going to see each other. Who do you think wins that matchup? Um, I don't know. That would be a dream matchup, though. You get Lindsey Scott in that offense against the Jackson State defense. Sign me up for that. Um, Man, I don't know. I think that's a toss-up game. But right now, with the way Lindsey Scott's playing, I think Incarnate Word takes that matchup. But I don't think it's a blowout. I think Incarnate Word wins a close one. Okay. And I think 
question with them being, like I said, tied for eight in the polls. Do you think UIW wins out the rest of the way? Like you said, do you think they can, with that win over Southern Louisiana looking better, do you think they can sneak in and get a top eight seed in the first round by? Possibly, but the problem with their schedule is I don't think, um, I don't know if they have enough signature wins because I would personally give Weber with two big sky losses, the seed over an incarnate word winning out. So I, per, I, I, th- I think it's going to be a hard, a hard road for them to get it. Cause I think Mercer uh, will probably get it over them, especially if they beat Chattanooga. I think Weber, Sac state, Montana state, Montana, South Dakota state, North Dakota state, all those teams are probably going to jump in front of them. So I don't, I don't. It was going to be hard. They're going to need a lot of people to lose. Fair enough. All right, man. Appreciate you. What's good, Steve? You're live. What's going on, Blue? How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm glad that you enjoyed homecoming. I, I want to switch it up to the FBS really quick. Uh, the Missouri Valley Conference. Do you think South Dakota State will be North Dakota State again because they won four out of the last six this, um, these past years? I don't, I don't want to give away my pick, <laughs> but okay. if I had to look at it right this second, I think South Dakota State is probably going to be favored in that game based on on the field performance yes, this year. Okay, okay. And last question. I mean, FAMU, my, my alma mater, uh, FAMU, has won four straight. Who does it look good for, for FAMU or Jackson State? Because we want to get the at-large again. I mean, we don't have no signature win, but we just beat South Carolina State. Obviously, they're, they're going to be the winner of the MEAC back at the Celebration Bowl. Does that look like a good win on our resume? Because I know we beat Albany State and these other, you know, low-tier um, swag schools. But, you know, beating South Carolina State this weekend, me, so I'm going to hang up and just hit this here call. This is your response on TV. But thanks, man. Hey, appreciate you. Uh, I mean, I guess to get to his question, I think it looks good for both. I mean, any team, if you if a, if a team beats somebody, it's always good for that team to go and just keep winning. So I think FAMU winning is good for Jackson State's resume. If FAMU finishes the season 9-2 and two, and Jackson State has a 59-3 to three win over FAMU, that looks amazing. In my opinion, right? I mean, Jackson State fans in the chat, I mean, y'all can let me know. That's good, right? I mean, Jackson wants FAMU to keep winning because they're going to be like, listen, we just beat a 9-2 team, 59-3 week one in Florida, too. So I think it looks good for both teams. If you're FAMU, you want to keep winning because, I mean, who? why wouldn't you? And then Jackson State's like, great. We have a huge week one win over a really good team. If you're a Jackson State fan, I don't see why you would ever want to root against um, a team you beat. As <laughs> you said, I want Tennessee State to win. They did this weekend, Paris. Listen, I don't know if y'all saw, Draylon Ellis came back, and Tennessee State put a beat down on uh, Bethune-Cookman. I think they beat Bethune 41-17. to that, That's that's legit. Uh, let's see. If New Hampshire finishes the season without another loss, NCC, NCCU finishes the year without another loss, what's NCCU's ranking of the ceilings? I still think it's probably somewhere in the back end. I think probably anywhere from 18 to 25. It just depends on what happens in front of them. 
Uh, but I, I think anywhere from 18 to 25 would probably be their ceiling in terms of rankings, even if that happened. Um, but Southern PV, man, let's get to Southern PV real quick. And I, so I saw the one, the one view of the brawl. Uh, listen, I don't have an opinion on it. Again, you, yes, it shouldn't happen. But at the end of the day, man, it's football and it's happened before. And I, I really don't, I, I really don't care. I'm gonna be honest with y'all. Like the brawling and the and and anything like that, it really doesn't phase me. Everyone who has watched football forever has seen it. I really don't care about the brawl, but um, th- there definitely needed to be more ref involvement. The coaches should have done a better job uh, breaking it up, and it looked like some of the coaches were even going back and forth and kind of escalating the situation. If you're a coach and a ref, you should have you should have nipped that in the bud early and, and not allowed that to escalate because with the coaches. Uh, the coaches energizing the players and putting a battery in their back, man, you can't allow that to happen. And some, and, and they should have got the players off the field and separated way quicker, but they let it, they let it escalate. And that that's what happens when you got a bunch of, you know, 18 to 23 year olds all hyped up before the game. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but Southern finally looks like the team that everyone coming into the year thought they would. But Sean McCray, Finally, looks like a legit quarterback, man. 16 for 22, two touchdowns, almost 300 yards. Trazon Conley was not efficient through the air, which I don't think many people thought he would be. But the the rushing attack, what the rushing attack was there, but I don't think they had anyone take over like they needed to for PV. I think the leading rusher was was um, um, Antoine, 59 total yards, no touchdowns. They had no rushing touchdowns this weekend for PV. Bashan McCray, 85 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Uh, Carl Ligon also was the leading rusher. Um, they 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 need to get healthy at running back. I'm just going to say this: I think Southern's potential is capped until they're um, until until Southern's fully healthy at running back. They got to have an every down back, the Kobe Dillon, someone come back that can really that can really lead them at the. Um, at the running back spot, but I, I thought Southern played played a hell of a game, man. Uh, I thought they did well playing in the backfield. I think the defensive line played really well. Trey Lang looked legit, and I think Corian Harris is a godsend at this in the secondary. They did not have a corner or or a defensive back last year that was as talented as Corian Harris, and he is really and truly. Um, I, I think he he's been, in my opinion, the best defensive player on Southern uh, this season, but. Norfolk and uh, Morgan, this one kind of broke my heart. I ain't, I, I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I, I thought Morgan had this one, and they just gave it away. Um, Otto Coons for, um, for Norfolk stepped up this game, 288 yards passing this week, and Norfolk found a way to get it done. A lot, uh, Alfonso Graham is absolutely legit. At running back for Morgan, though, 203 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 8.8 yards per carry. It's just Norfolk jumped on him, and Morgan wasn't able to do enough down the stretch to win. Uh, I thought Morgan played a solid game, and they, they tried to come back toward the end, but they got down early, and Norfolk State was able to hold him off. Um, so I, 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 this was a tough loss for Morgan. I don't. I, I know Damon Wilson came into the year. Expectations weren't super high, but this was a game they needed to win, and this was a must win for Norfolk. You you got to give um you got to give that team credit. Uh, Odom's pulled through in conference, and now they're sitting at one and zero in conference. Yes, they may have went zero and five out of conference, but if they can string together some wins, they can compete for the MEAC shockingly. 
And th- this was a must win for them, and they poured it out. So I got to give them some credit. And FAMU, South Carolina, South Carolina State, man, what 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 can I say about this one? The first half, FAMU looked unbeatable for really the first three quarters. What it was twenty to nothing, up until South Carolina State put on just a just a hell of a comeback. In in the, in the fourth quarter, they scored 14 unanswered in, in the fourth quarter and just could not do enough to get back. And I, I do want to say, I want to know y'all's opinion because I went back and watched the game and I kind of got my thoughts on it. Do you think both of these teams are just that bad at running the football? Or do you think these front sevens are that good? I want to hear y'all's opinion. Do you think FAMU and South Carolina State just have that good of front sevens? Or do you think both these teams are just terrible and running the football because total they combined for less than 80 yards total rushing FAMU had 54 yards rushing and South Carolina State had 19 FAMU averaged 1.8 yards per carry and I can't believe I'm saying this South I mean, uh, South Carolina State averaged 0.9 yards rushing 0.9 they didn't even average one yard per carry as a team I don't even know how that is possible. How do you not even average? You can, like you should just be able to fall forward for a yard by running like QB sneaks. Um, yes, we are that bad. Coach said we are at the bottom of the conference and running, and that's unacceptable. That's ridiculous. Um, let's see how many rushing attempts. So, fam, you. So, just to break it down for you, fam, you had thirty attempts for fifty-four yards. That's one point eight average. And South Carolina State ran the ball 21 times for 19 yards. Jesus Christ, man. That's bad. And I don't know if you were, I don't know if you remember, South Carolina State got held to less than two yards per carry against North Carolina AT too. So I really do think it's just both teams are that bad at running the football. They they are atrocious. And that is horrible for a fam U team that came in with one of the with, with an amazing running back room with McLeod. And uh, what Jennings and AJ Davis and DeAndre Francis—they had a hell of a running back room, and they they can't run the ball for anything. And then you come in with an all-conference running back, Kendrell Flowers, if you're South Carolina State, and they they can't run the they can't run the damn football to save their life. And that is horrible for South Carolina State. And for me, until South Carolina State can establish the run, there is zero chance. South Carolina State wins to me at with that rushing attack. If you if you can't run the football, man, I'm telling you, Corey Fields. I'm I'm sorry, I'm not trying to pick on Corey Fields, but Corey Fields is not going to win you any football games. He's not. If you can if you can't average one yard per carry, Corey Fields is not going to win you many games, and you are not going to win the MEAC. You're not going to win many games like that. Corey Fields went 17 for 48. Two touchdowns and three interceptions. 17 for 48? Come on, man. That is... Listen, I don't. I get it. He won one last year. He has yet to win them a game on his back this year. They lost the A&T game because they couldn't run the football in fields and fields messed that up and they lost this game because they couldn't run the football and Corey Fields cost them this game. I'm sorry. It's, it's just a fact. They, they, they're not going to win like this. I, I, you cannot convince me they are. It's easier for them to keen in on the run game when we struggle past, and I have no answers, Blue. This is wild. Man, 
I, I know I know you feel some type of way, man. Uh, let's see. I, I think that. Hang on. I think this is Kobe. Uh-huh. Six five two three. You're live. Yo, what's up, Blue? What's good, man? I thought this was you. I was like, I've recognized the number, man. What's good? Blue, blue. I I have I have no I have no clue what's going on in South Carolina State in that run game, bro. I'm I'm sitting in the stands and I'm like. Okay, you return the whole offensive line except for one person. Why can't we run the ball? What's going on? And when it comes to the passing game, you're absolutely right, bro. I I love Corey as a person. I swear I do, but he cannot. He can't. He can't when it's a game playing like that, man. It's so inconsistent. You know, like I've seen him play decent games. You know, but like last year versus uh. Uh, Alabama State, you know, he went toe to toe with Akil Glass, but man, like it's 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 just way too sporadic with him. And I feel like honestly, we're at a point now where we're wasting Shaq's talent a little bit, you know, because like we, I mean, yeah, we give him a couple. We we always go to him when we get desperate, like okay, throw it up to Shaq. Let's see if he can bring us back. I'm tired of that. We gotta establish his dominance early. You have Raheem White, who who's built just like Shaq on the other side of the ball. He can't even get the ball. Like, we can't get the ball to the playmakers um, that we have in the receiver room, man. Like, it's it's frustrating. I think a change needs to be made. Me, personally, I don't know why you don't even put Tyrese Nick in earlier. I mean, he was the one who gave you a spark versus the Gamecocks. He got you on the board. You know, he's a threat running the ball. Maybe you could have got something going there. I don't know what Coach P was thinking, but I did get a word from somebody that he's kind of in the doghouse because of off-the-field issues. But m- – at, I, if if it's just me, being that you have uh, a Division two opponent this week for homecoming, maybe you look at Andre Washington or Prometheus and just see what they got. Somebody has to save the season. Like, like I, I don't. Maybe that's dramatic, but something got to happen at quarterback. I mean, for me, okay. So Corey Fields played well. People forget because Corey Fields played really amazing in the second half against Jackson State, but I don't think people realize remember how bad that first half was. Right. And I just think he had a special half. And, and my biggest concern is if Kendrell Flowers can't take the pressure off, there's no way Corey Fields throwing 40-plus times in the game is good for South Carolina State. It's, it's not because, like, okay, like, Blue, you, you even see his throwing motion, right? Like, he's work, bro. It's like, it's like a wind-up. I, I don't you know. know. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. And it's it's frustrating because, like you said, Shaq is a top five wide receiver in the FCS. I mean, he is right. a monster. And I know some people in the chat are saying they hope he transfers. I ain't going to comment on that, but it, he is so good. Just a, what stats would he have with a Lindsey Scott, a Shador, or a Tim oh Moret, or someone at quarterback? Like, bro, you're you're looking at like maybe player of the week almost every week. Like, he, cause he's just so gifted when you can get the ball in his vicinity. Like with that, with that wingspan and that, in his frame, like you can be draped on him and he's going to come down with that catch. Like you saw it, you saw it last week. He, he continuously does this with the, with a proper quarterback, man, he can be unstoppable. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I can't say who, I can't say who, but I can tell you that after the game, you know, I talked to, I talked to a player, and I feel like if one, per, one player feels like this, a lot of players feel like this. 
um, when it comes to Corey, man, they, they kind of on the edge with them too. Like, it's not just us watching. Like, there are players in that locker room who kind of, you know, they love Corey as a person, but they're kind of getting frustrated because they know what they could be. So, like, who knows what's going to happen down the road. Maybe they make a change soon. But, like, you know, it's, it's, starting to, it's starting to become a problem in the locker room as well. All right, so two quick questions for you, man, because you're, you're the South Carolina State guy. One, how confident do you feel in South Carolina State winning the MEAC? And two, B.J. Davis, man, it, how special is he? Because I think he has been having a, a amazing year. And I told said last week, I think he's going to wind up in the Buck Buchanan race pretty soon the way he's playing. With with man, I was so taken aback by BJ and those back to back interceptions. It was absolutely phenomenal. I think when when you when you look at when you looked at the team from like just an in person standpoint, everybody looked like the game was over with. BJ was the only one on that sideline breathing life into everybody. He's the life of that defense. He's the life of that team. He's a very special guy. This is a guy who goes out and get like double digit tackles like on any given night for you, and then you add that on with the two picks. Man, I, I like I had to give him his props after that game. I'm like, man, you spe- you, like you're special, and I think you just showed tonight why why you know you're gonna your name is gonna be in the run for a lot of awards, and you know you are a legitimate NFL talent, and this is why why they've been raving about you since they you know put Darius Leonard in the league. So you know I'd like BJ. I have nothing but great things um, for him. As for the team and how confident I am, I'm gonna rock with them no matter what. You like like you know that, but. I am I am nervous as hell about North Carolina Central coming in in just two weeks. Um, just and, and honestly, it's not even just North Carolina Central. I saw how Morgan State played. I'm nervous about them. Like I like I'm not I'm not as confident as I was. I'm a rock with them, but if we can't get if we can't get it figured out offensively, bro, this could this could go way less because we have the talent, man. But it's something I think for me, it's the quarterback position, but you know, something has to happen, man. I agree. But man, see, I appreciate you calling in guys. Y'all already know who it is. My guy, Kobe blitz city podcast, man, make sure to go subscribe, but I appreciate you calling in, bro. I appreciate you, bro. Definitely make sure to go subscribe to my guy. One of the best YouTube channels out there for sure. But, um, if I'm not mistaken, Shaq Davis has two years of eligibility left. Um, I know I saw that question somewhere. I, I apologize if I missed it. Yeah, I believe he has two years of eligibility left. If I'm not mistaken, I think he's a junior this year, so it should be it should be two. Um, but man, real quick, let me go through these quick because I got to get out of here in about 30 minutes, and I want to get to y'all's comments and calls. William and Mary Delaware upset of the week, man. Listen, I did not see this coming. I was so high on Delaware coming into this game. Nolan Henderson, 203, two touchdowns for Delaware. The zero passing attack at all for William and Mary, but they ran the football straight down Delaware's throat, man. 271 on the round, two touchdowns, and Bronson Yoder is an absolute monster, man. 114 in the touchdown himself, almost, almost six yards per carry. He is legit, and William and Mary has one of the best rushing attacks in the country, and man, that front seven is a problem. John Pius has taken such a lead in the Buck Buchanan. Two more sacks this week. Two more. He was already leading the the FCS in sacks. He got two more this weekend. He has like a three or four sack lead right now over everyone else. The front seven for William and Mary rivals anybody in FCS football with with Pius with Nate Lynn. 
the front seven for William and Mary is absolutely legit, man. Huge win for the tribe this weekend over Delaware. And we're about to get to my top 25 and you'll see some big shakeups. And then finally, not surprising, Weber State beats Eastern Washington 45-21. And th- this all goes on, in my opinion, the defense. Um the, the the defense for Weaver State is is one of the uh, I mentioned them earlier one of the best man Winston Reed Garrett Beck Eddie Heckert all of these guys can be all over the football field Maxwell Anderson again with another interception already leads to country, already leads to FCS and in interceptions and Todd McPherson at the wide receiver spot six catches one twenty eight and a touchdown for Weaver State I, I am extremely high on Weaver State in my top twenty five. Um, is going to reflect that to say the least, man, but huge win for Weber state, but let's get to my top 25 for this week, man. Then we'll get to your calls and questions in the chat for just a few minutes, man, if I got to get out of here, but not many change, no changes in the top four. The top four didn't change much. North Dakota state, South Dakota state will battle for the one spot next week and Montana and Montana state will be tested moving forward. But the, but the difference between probably my top six teams is very slim, and you could argue that they could be placed anywhere based on their resume. All their resumes are extremely close. Weber State jumps all the way to fifth after a big win over Eastern Washington. They got an FBS win. They've looked impressive all season long, and the defense has looked extremely, extremely impressive right now. And so Weber State, in my opinion, is a top five team in the country. Sac State. Drops to six because of the jump for Weber State. Holy Cross moves to seven. Mercer to eight. Jackson State nine. Incarnate Word moves to 10. And then 11, 12, and 13 were interesting. The CAA is going to cannibalize itself, in my opinion. Elon beat William and Mary. William and Mary beat Delaware. And Delaware and Elon got to play later. But for right now, Elon, William and Mary, and Delaware is where the where they're going to line up just based on head-to-head opponents and what's coming up in the in the future. So that's why I ordered them. Chattanooga fell just because of William and Mary and Elon jumping up. Sanford falls at 15. SC, um, Southeast Missouri State falls at 16. Southern Illinois and North Dakota at 17, 18. Fordham up to 19. Richmond at 20. UT Martin drops to 21. They're lost to um, – Listen, their their loss to Missouri State looks really bad. That's why they dropped a little bit. Rhode Island at twenty two, Austin P at twenty three, Campbell and Idaho rounding out the top twenty five. The the twenty four through about twenty eight range. I had a few teams, but because of Campbell, Idaho has not lost an FCS game, which is why they put there. They lost two really close FBS games, which is why they slide at twenty five. Campbell, their loss to William and Mary looks great, and they beat. North Carolina Central, who who absolutely dominated Del, um, who absolutely do- dominated New Hampshire, my bad. And so that's why I put Campbell above New Hampshire right now in my rankings. Monmouth is also in the conversation, but Monmouth lost to Fordham and and a and a bad loss week one. So Monmouth is just out of the top twenty five as well. But this is what I submitted this week. There were a lot of people who are really just waiting on next week because next week is going to determine a whole lot moving forward. And so this is the top 25 for now, man. And I think the next few weeks with Mercer, Chattanooga, with North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Weber State plays Sac State coming up. The whole big sky plays each other. This is going to be a very, very interesting top 25 moving forward. What's good, Steve? You're live again, man. All right, really quickly, I know you – I just saw your ranking. Um, 
Um, the, the CAA, the last week of the season, um, Blue, they're really going to hurt each other because that's how it was last year in uh, preparing you to get in. Like the CAA, CAA teams will knock each other out. Do you think the committee going to let that happen again? Or, I mean, we don't, we're not magicians or whatever, but you think that's going to happen again with the CAA teams beating each other up? Possibly, but I think even with what's happened right now, I still think Elon, William & Mary, and Delaware, unless they just fall completely apart, are locks to get in right this second. The 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 teams yes, that FAMU needs to look for are Richmond, Rhode Island, and New Hampshire. If any, if okay. if two, if one or two of those teams gets hot, then FAMU could be in trouble getting in. And I don't think FAMU's um I would say bid is really going to go it's not going to really be based on the CAA. I think it's going to be based on Fordham. Fordham might be the key for FAMU because if Fordham upsets Holy Cross, the Patriot League gets two bids, and that really hurts um, FAMU. And then also, if Southeast Missouri State wins the OVC and UT Martin does enough down the stretch to get in, the OVC steals two bids. And then the SOCON is really strong this year. Mercer's pretty much guaranteed to get in. Chattanooga, if they don't fall apart, can get in. You still got Sanford sitting there. And the right. other key is is if Austin P doesn't get the auto bid of the A-Sun and the um, WAC and they give it to Stephen F. Austin, which is what they would do right now, which is not correct in my opinion, but we'll let that ride. Austin P is going to get a large bid over FAMU too because of how well they played against some of the top 25 teams, especially Eastern Kentucky. So I think FAMU is at a very large disadvantage right now, and they're going to need some chaos, more chaos than last year, to get in. I know. I, know. I mean, I remember last year, Athlon Sports had them 30th, but we got the bid, and we got the, we got the at-large bid, because towards the end, they said we didn't really beat nobody. But, I, I, I mean, you know me, I love my alma mater, FAMU. I played there, man, but – Thanks for the call, Blue. Have a good night, man. You too, man. Appreciate you. Seven one six six. You're live. Hey, what's going on, Blue? What's good, man? Not much, man. I know you um press the time, so I'm gonna try to be quick as possible, man. Um, first of all, you know, make sure y'all like the stream, support my dog. Anyway, so um. And, uh, well, I think with the uh, whole Corey Fields thing, I think what people are kind of missing, I mean, you know, I feel this is, it's the same Corey Fields, to be honest with you. If you really look at the second half, he did his best work when it was past the 50 where he didn't have to drive them down the field. You know what I mean? Because the defense, you know what I mean, played a hell of a game. So, I mean, like, you know, if you're asking them to drive, you know, 80 yards, that's where, you know what I mean, you're in trouble. You know, 40, 50 yards, you know what I mean? You know, you give him a little bit of wiggle, so he just needs a lot of help. So I think that's one thing, but, you know, his play doesn't surprise me at all. He's definitely not going to win you a game on his own. Um, First of all, and then, you know, I'm so upset with Morgan State. One, they lost me a little 14 parlay that I had, man. Every team I picked covered except for Morgan State. You know what I mean? So that hurt my heart right there. Um. And I want to give a shout out to Alabama State for playing hard, man. You know what I mean? That defense real. You know what I mean? Um, you know, they came in, they came in that game as a uh, you know, twenty four point, you know, underdog. So I mean, 
them boys definitely held up, man. You know, and um, I think you know if they get some a little bit more talent on the offensive end, you know, and, and um, you know, Demetrius Davis can maybe stay healthy, or even they go with Miles. I think Miles played pretty well. I think you know they can you know do some things in about you know a year or two. You know, another one last thing I will say. You know, what I mean, um, with Shaq Davis, I would love for him to transfer to Central. You know what I mean? Not too far from South Carolina, you know what I mean? He's still, you know, right by his people. But him playing on Central would do wonders. I mean, they would wreck shop in the mid. You know what I mean? But those are just my quick thoughts. I wanted to get that out of the way. But, Blue, keep up the good work. Appreciate you, man. All right. Man, uh, probably about 10-ish minutes, man. I'm, I'm going to stay on here, man. So get your questions in the chat. Also, if you want to call in. Um, you, you can also, <laughs> uh, South, uh, Charleston Southern is winless. It is man. Uh, but if you want to get your calls in before the show is 701-779-9585-3307, you're live. Hey, Blue, for a minute. What's good, Imagine man? Imagine this. Imagine this. South Carolina State, um, winning out in the MEAC and, Possibly beating Jackson State in the Celebration Bowl and us crowning them national champions. So that means forgetting the way they don't play the last three weeks, losing against North Carolina A&T in the fashion they did, losing against FAMU. The game was a blowout until later on in the fourth quarter, board of. And just disqualifying the whole season for them winning one game and crowning them HBCU national champions. What you think about that? All right, so let me, let me make sure I got you. So, South Carolina State winning out. They have the same thing from last year. Oh, and I mean, I guess you can uh, – <laughs> Jesus, man, what a hell of a situation. I mean, of course – But, they, but they, Blue, they, I, say that, I say that because it's the same thing that happened last year. Corey Field was awful last year. He just so happened to have a great second half against the Celebration Bowl and everybody crowned him champion. But, like, you can't forget half of the season. Like, he was god-awful. South Carolina State was god-awful. Losing to multiple HBCU teams. You see what I'm saying? No, I mean, I feel you. I, I said that after the Celebration Bowl. I was like, man, it's hard to crown someone HBCU national champions when you lost, like, all of your other HBCU games. I mean, that's that's tough. Yeah. I if that happens, it'll be the same thing that happened last year. Jackson State will claim. Um, you'll have South Carolina State claim. And then, God forbid, if you want to take it a step further, if FAMU if somehow FAMU. made the playoffs, they would claim, too. And you'd have a three a three-way HBCU national championship. And then, hell, NCCU, one loss, might get, <laughs> might get in the playoffs, too. So, then chaos could happen. But I, I think that's what happens, you know. It happened throughout the BCS era all the time where teams thought they had a good enough resume and claimed championships. And I don't think it's going to stop unless, you know, there was the idea of an HBCU playoff and everything like that. But it's going to happen up until there's like a legit game called the HBCU National Championship. And and, and that's what it is. Uh, and last thing, this point in the season, uh, how do you feel about Swag play versus me at play? I think there's been a couple games played. I think the sweat might be 2-0. I know uh, Fam just beat South Carolina State, and I know Bama State beat Hampton. 
Well, how you, how, what do you, how you see the balance as far as the talent and, and the power of teams this year? I think the uh, – who who beat Bethune? Was it South Carolina State that beat Bethune? Yeah, South Carolina State, yeah. They beat and, and then um, Alabama State beat Howard. Uh, it, it's hard because you're comparing a six-team conference to a 12-team conference. So if you let's just let's just do this. We'll take the top six teams from the SWAC, however you want to slice it. I mean, it's probably what um, FAMU, Jackson State, PV, Fred Southern, Alcorn, and then whoever you want to slide into that six spot. I think the top six of the SWAC is just as strong as the top six in the MEAC. And I think because of how dominant Jackson State's been, I would give it to the SWAC because I don't think there's a team in the MEAC that has looked that good. And with South Carolina State struggling like they are losing to FAMU this past weekend, I think having FAMU, having Jackson State, and then I think Southern, Alcorn, and PV would probably be somewhere in the second to third place range in the MEAC. I I think I would give the SWAC the, the better strength right now. All right, cool. Appreciate that, Blue. Yeah, appreciate you, man. I don't know how y'all feel about it. It's just tough to compare a six-team conference to a 12-team conference, man. There's just so many more teams. But, uh, Khalil, I loved Alabama State, man. The, the, campus, was, the campus was amazing, man. The, the atmosphere was, was just outrageous. I didn't, I didn't get a, a chance to look around the whole campus because I, I, don't know if you, I don't know who was down there this weekend. It was packed out this weekend, man. I mean, there, there were parts where you could barely walk. I mean, there were people – everywhere and i kind of got to the game a little bit late um there were some parking situations happening so i parked at my friend's house um up the road from um up the road from the stadium and ubered in but man the atmosphere was amazing everyone i met down there was amazing the stadium was beautiful i had a blast this weekend like i said one of the best trips i've had all season was to alabama state jackson this weekend four seven zero eight you're live hey what's up blue how you doing What's good, man? You still riding with Weaver State? Man. For the big sky? I don't know if they're going to win it, though, man, because their schedule is brutal. That's what I'm saying. I think the, the, I'll the say Grizzlies this. schedule in the Eastern, I mean, the Grizzlies and Weaver have like the hardest schedule in the conference. The Grizzlies' last five games, good luck. If they get through it unscathed, good for them. But the Bobcats have the best. Uh, finished in the Big Sky Conference. They got their two hardest games are at home. We're on a 16-game home win streak. I think the Cats are going to win the Big Sky if we don't shit on ourselves. I, I kind of agree with you, especially. Okay, it depends because I heard I heard Malak is back this weekend. But we we don't play each other, so it might be a, a tie. That's true. I I don't know, man. You guys are rolling. I mean, you guys are rolling though. Um, I love Chambers at quarterback. I know I might be in the minority here. I think he should start when Malak comes back. So that's a that's a big thing over here in Bozeman right now. But uh, I think uh, Vegan just came out today saying that uh, Tommy will start. Uh, he just got cleared on uh, today, and I think he will start. But I I think you will see a lot of Chambers, like just like how they were in the beginning of the season. But I think our defense is slowly catching on. We got a lot of turnovers last uh, last week. That's huge. I know it's Idaho State, but it's a good good stepping stone to move forward for us. I agree. Um, 
my plan because I, I wanted to, I really want to get to Bozeman for a game uh, so bad. And I have a game the weekend of the Montana, Montana State game. So I can't come this year. Next year, that's a game that's going to be on the schedule. But I'm going to wait till the bracket comes out. And I'm going to try to make Bozeman yeah. one of my playoff trips. I want to come up there for a game because I think you guys are going to be a seed again. And depending on what round y'all host and who y'all host, I think Bozeman is going to be one of the trips I make for one of the playoff rounds. Yeah, I think uh, if we win out, we're going to be the number two seed in the nation, at least. I agree. So we're going to have a home field advantage all the way through. Yeah, that's because I think whoever loses this the game this weekend before the yeah. Deco- between the Dakotas, the winner is probably going to be the number one seed because I don't see either team losing moving forward. And I think the yep. other team will either be the three or four seed. And that's what that's what I have in my bracketology. Because I think right now I have South Dakota State at one and I got North Dakota State at three is how I have it. Because right now I would lean South Dakota State in that game going into this weekend. Yeah, and I, I, I don't see the Grizzlies not losing at least twice. I, I, I know they're going to lose to us at home, but they're going to play Weber. I think they play Sac State, and then they play Idaho this week. And Idaho is a 120-year-old rivalry, and Bobby Houck, their rat-faced coach, is kind of like pushing them aside like they, they don't mean nothing. So I think Idaho is going to come in and ruffle some feathers, honestly. That would be a hell of an upset. I'm just going to say that. That that would be a huge oh, I love upset. every second of it. <laughs> but, yeah, man, the big sky is going to be interesting. I still think you guys get – Montana, Montana State, and Sac State are probably guaranteed seeds right now. And yeah. Weber Weber's going to be in competition for that eighth seed, if I had to guess. If they went out, they're going to be in a top seed. That's going to be big but time. I can't see it. Right Their now, schedule with, is going to be harder than North Dakota State or South Dakota State. Oh, yeah. The, the one question I have about Weber is quarterback consistency. They got running backs. They yep. got wide receivers. They got a hell of a defense. I just don't, I just don't trust their quarterback right now, and that means a lot oh, yeah. in, in November. Yeah, 100%. That's playoff time. That's, that's when the, the true, uh, the true uh, teams come out when the quarterback shows up. And that's where Tommy showed up last year. He was the – he flipped our flipped our team on on our heads with our our quarterback at the end of it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because because it looked like for a while there that Chambers was going to be the new Tommy and possibly lead y'all to the yeah. championship, and that Vegan would have two guys who stepped in as backups to get him to the Natty. I mean, it would be a hell of a story. Yeah, you know, man, I, I would honestly like to see Tommy sit this week too or just get half playing time just because I want his head to really fully recover. Cause he was out for two minutes, like cold sleeping. So I want his brain to like fully recover before he has to play Weber in like two weeks. Yeah. You don't have to be fully healthy. Cause that Weber defense is legit. Yeah. I think Chambers can take the rain reins again this week. And then who knows how it goes? Who knows how it goes so far? He, I think Chambers will get more comfortable. He, he came to MSU to get his, uh, his mental right. He, he he had a lot of things going on in Wyoming, wanted to leave, and now he's in Bozeman, a lot of, a better place for him mentally. So I think that's changed him a lot. Yeah, I, I agree, man. Listen, I think they both are extremely talented, and if they can come up with some yeah. unique two-quarterback system, kind of like Sac State runs, I think 
Montana State will be just fine, especially with all the injuries at running back. Man, you got two quarterbacks that can get out yeah. of the pocket and and really be explosive. Montana State is going to be just fine. But man, I appreciate the call. Yeah, thank you. And I'll, before we go, I'd like to say everyone was worried about our offensive line, and now we're rolling on everybody with our fourth and fifth string running backs. Wait till our Isaiah might come back this month, maybe, maybe for Weber State. Who knows? But uh, he might be earlier than we thought. So. That'll be exciting to have him back. Then we're really looking in trouble. Hey, that's a fact, man. Hey, I appreciate you, man. I'm hoping Isaiah comes back because, like you said, probably the best running back at the FCS level. I think so. Hey, absolutely, man. Hey, have a good one, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Cheers. All right, we got Mr. Ford on the line next. What's up, Mr. Ford? You're live. Hey, listen, let me turn this thing down. Uh, Blue, I wanted you to talk on uh, Southern University. Uh, After this week, Southern is a team that's uh, on my mind. Number one, do you think Southern could win the swag? Is it Southern, is it they play like that when Jason Dumas is there? Because to me, it's like they're a different team at Dumas sitting in the lineup. Then, you know, like I've always said over and over, you know, you don't have to worry about Eric Dooley. He's going to score 40 and 50 points. But at the same time, Henry Miller going to give away 40 and 50 points. So I just want to know from you, what, what are the things Southern got to do to win the swag? You know, Southern got all these big-term games. They got Alcorn. They got Florida and m They got uh, – who, who else is big for them? I know they got the Bayou Classic. It's like they're the team to follow here on out. Can, can you talk about their schedule a little bit? I know they got Alcorn this week. Okay, now, when do they play Florida in Um, The first week of November. Okay, do they have any other big game? I know they got to play uh, Grambling. Jackson. They still got Jackson State. They got Jackson. And so what I'm asking you is, do you see the possibility of Southern and Jackson playing two times? One at Jackson for the regular season, and then again at Jackson for the SWAT championship. And and what would have to happen for that to take place? I'm gonna let you handle that. Um, I think it's possible. I mean, if they play like they did this weekend, like you said, it's a different team when Jason Dumas is playing. And it was like yeah, that at PV yeah. when he missed time at PV. That team looked completely different. So maybe the defense looks like it was supposed to. And then the other question is, is can McCray be the, the quarterback he was this weekend? He was efficient, confident. Yeah. He managed the game well, and he didn't turn the football over. And if they get that, they can win a lot of games. And then also, do, do you believe that their running back room can get healthy in time? That's a question. If, that, when that's they get, Kobe co- Dillon. Yep. If they get him back, they're going to be tough to beat. But – they're going to have to beat Fam. They're going to have to beat Alcorn. And they're going to have to beat uh, Grambling. The only game they can afford to lose is against Jackson State. And that's yeah. the way they're going to have to get there because they're going to have to bet that Alcorn State loses to them and loses to um, uh, Jackson State. They're going to have to hope Alcorn. But now let me, let me say this here, Blue. You know, you had talked about them kids that came to them from Bowie State. One of them is a DB. He made an interception and returned. That boy's a pro. I watched him. He's a pro. What do you think about him? That, he was the DB that made the interception and returned it for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. What, what's your thoughts on him? 
both of them, both of them have pro potential. But you, you yeah, mentioned, I think they I got a few too. DBs. Uh, the one that what they they got from um McNeese too looks legit. Yeah, uh, Harris that's four, right? Is yeah, four. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, he's either three or four. I don't. I yeah, think he's. I know one he's them, on but, the corner, right? Yeah, but he he's legit, and I think. They got a. They just got a mesh, man. They brought in a lot of transfers, and I think it took them some time. But I want to see how they look this weekend against Alcorn, because up until this weekend, it didn't look as if Southern was going to be able to compete with Alcorn State. But if they play like they did last weekend, Dumas uh, rejuvenizes the defense, and McCray plays efficient. They have a team that can knock off Alcorn State this weekend, and that's going to be my question is, can they slow um, Howard for Alcorn? Because he has been damn near unstoppable this year. Let, let me put you on the spot now, Blue. If, if, if Southern had to play Jackson right now, could Southern beat Jackson? No. I, I mean, what, I, I've say? said – I've said before, I don't think there's a team in the SWAC that's realistically going to beat Jackson. I think Alcorn can possibly keep it close, and Southern has the ability to possibly keep it competitive, but I don't see anyone in the SWAC right now who would beat Jackson State. Okay. So, what now, were you impressed with them this week? Because I'm serious. All the games I watched, I saw, I saw Alabama State, I saw Jackson, I saw Fam, South Carolina State. I saw all them games this week. I'm telling you, the school, the school that is on my mind after this past week is Southern. And for me, I think the Southern can get better. I think they, especially on defense, I think they can get better. I know they're going to get better on offense because that's just, you know, that's the duty. But uh, I've always thought their Achilles heel was the defense, especially the front seven. And I just think that they can get so much better. They got some room to improve. Uh, I think Southern had the biggest ceiling to improve because of the injuries that they had. Um, I think whoever wins this weekend is going to win the SWAC SWAC West, though. Whoever wins in this all-core state-Southern game is going to win. And the reason that I think Texas Southern doesn't have a shot is because they're too inconsistent. I I just – Texas Southern one week can compete with some of the best teams in the West. The next week they're going to lose to someone they shouldn't just because that they just have a bad game. Well, let so, me ask you this. Now, they're not going to try to get rid of McKinnon, right? They're not going to try to get rid of him, are they? I haven't heard anything either way. I think it depend, depends on how they finish the season. If they just go on a losing streak, then I could see them getting rid of him. But if they – let's say they finish third – in, in the division, Mr. Ford. I mean, that's better result than they've had in a, in a while. I think they probably keep him. Well, let me ask you this. My last question. Do you think bringing in a celebrity coach slash NFL coach is the answer for Texas Southern? Yes. I think for them it is. Cause you know, with Morgan, I think they made the right hire because they hired a coach that, has won in that area and knows how to recruit in that area and develop talent. And Morgan needed that for Texas Southern. They need a coach who's going to attract some of that top Texas talent. You have to get someone that has a pool that has a brand that some of those kids in Texas are going to listen to and get, get Texas Southern's foot in the door and get people to invest money and invest interest and, and get Texas Southern back on the map. 
And I think a celebrity coach is, is what they're going to need. I really do. I don't think a celebrity coach is for everybody, but Texas Southern is in a region where you're going to have to separate yourselves from the incarnate words, the Sam Houston States, the, the Houston's, the Baylor's, the TCU's. I mean, the list goes on and on. The SMU's. There's too much talent in that state for you just to be another team. Well, I wanted to say this for our two things I want to say before I get off the line, which I think we can put the D on the Georgia Tech uh, talk to rest now. Uh, these people are really kind of fired up with this. Uh, Brent, is it Brent Key? And the word over here in Atlanta is if he continues to win, he's going to get that job. I don't know if you heard that. But they are really excited about him. He's a, he's a uh, Georgia Tech graduate. He's from Alabama. Uh, now, I, I would like to ask you now, uh, what do you think about his recruiting skills? Will he be able to – because now, see, what Georgia Tech is looking for, they're looking for somebody to go against Kirby Smart. And see, I keep telling people, the main thing with Kirby Smart is Kirby Smart is bringing in top ten talent. Can this Brent Key bring top ten talent to Georgia Tech? What's, what's your thoughts on that? I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know if he can, really and truly. I think they need – a more established coach. If, if you ask okay. me, I get it. He's doing well as the intern. I, I got right. you. But we've seen too many times where interns do get hot because it's like a almost like a reset button for a team. Like I think right. what right. two or three interim head coaches in college football, and they all have winning records right now since they've taken over. It's just a rejuvenation. But he does have history on Alabama staff. I believe he was the offensive line coach. For a few yeah, years for Alabama. So maybe he can use what he learned to and the connections that he has to put together one hell of a recruiting staff. But the question that people always ask me, especially the recruiting guys that are on three, is when you walk into a five stars house and you say the name Brent Key, do they know who that is? And to right. me, I don't I know if yeah. they do. Right. Now let me this is my final question. Listen. I see North Carolina Central coming out of the uh, uh, MEAC. Who, who do you see so far? Who do you see? I got playing? Central. I got Central. Yeah. I think I got. So, I thought Central's the best team I've seen. Yeah, a thousand percent. I don't trust Corey Fields at quarterback for South Carolina State right now, and their inability to run the football is concerning, especially when you look at the one team that manhandled. Uh, North Carolina Central was Campbell, who has one of the best right. rushing attacks in in the country right now. I don't trust South Carolina State to take advantage of that. And so if they put the game on Corey Fields, the secondary for Central is extremely talented, and I think they're going to pick Corey Fields apart. They're going to load the box and say, outside of Shaq, who we're going to bracket and double, right. I don't think anyone else can beat us on that offense. And right now, I think they might be right. Listen, Blue, uh, keep up the good work, man, and have a good night, okay? Appreciate you, Mr. Ford. Have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, guys, shutting down the call line right now. Uh, just to recap before, man, I get out of here in case um, you missed the beginning part of the show. Let me go back through these slides real quick. Offensive player of the week, um, or offensive players of the week, man, Ooh. Lindsey Scott Jr., Cade Brister, and Jeremiah Dobbins. Defensive Players of the Week, Luke Glenna, Braden Gilby, and Colton Adams. 
Man, Elon with the big win. South Dakota State dominates South Dakota. Southern Illinois ends Missouri State's playoff hopes. Mercer absolutely dismantles Western Carolina. Jackson State over Alabama State this weekend in, in a very interesting game, to say the least. Southern dominates Prairie View. Norfolk upsets Morgan State. FAMU gets past South Carolina State. William & Mary shocks the world and beats Delaware. And Weber State continues their role over Eastern Washington. The top 25s here. You can hear more rationale on the website, thebluebloodspod.com. And on top of that, pictures, the photo gallery will be out from the Jackson State-Alabama State game this weekend, tomorrow morning on our website, thebluebloodspod.com. You can check out the highlights on our channel, man, recorded by um, yours truly on the sideline, man. This this weekend for FCS game day, I'm, I should be in Baton Rouge with Southern Alcorn. If anything changes, I'll post it on Twitter. And also... The next week, I'll be at Mercer and Chattanooga uh, f- for that big game. Uh, Wayne, before I go, I think Bama still probably wins that game. But, man, I think Tennessee is going to give them hell. And, and if, if Tennessee wins that game, I will not be shocked. Hendon Hooker is playing as good as any quarterback in the country. And I do have concerns about Bryce Young's health right now. But I really do think um, – I really do think Bama squeaks out a lot, man. I, I I try not to bet against saving when I can. But, Wayne, if you want to hear more um, at 8 p.m. Uh, Central Time, I'm going to be on the Frankly Speaking Sports podcast, and we're definitely going to uh, give a full breakdown of of um, of that game. So you can so you can go check it out, Frankly Speaking Sports, on YouTube, Wayne, if you want to find that. But right now I'm going to lean Bama in that game. But, guys, I appreciate y'all tuning into the show. Um, and then up until next time, the blue bloods are out. 